Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thank you for joining us for Positively Dad. My name is James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. My wife, Terry, and I have a second grader. Her name's Naomi. She's seven and a half. In fact, she's going to join us at the end of the episode today. She always joins us on these to give us the kids' corner, so make sure you stick around for that. It's good stuff. And I started Positively Dad earlier this year just to be a resource to dads, you know, to help us grow as people, partners, and parents, and I trust that we're doing that so far. My goal is to have conversations that we may not have otherwise, and, and we do two podcasts every week to help us do that. The one you're listening to right now, I call this our more traditional podcast. This is the one where I have somebody on, an expert in something, to talk about something to get us to think. And then every Thursday, I release a dad talk episode. And in a dad talk episode, I talk to a dad about being a dad. We learn great stuff. So if this is your first time listening to Positively Dad, I'd recommend you go back wherever you're listening, whatever platform, and search through the old ones. We have, you know, like almost 40 episodes of these traditional ones out, and we're into the almost 20 or so of the Dad Talk ones. So there's a lot of content out there for you, and and I trust that it's adding value to you. So, you know, there's there's some things sometimes that we like to ignore. Maybe we don't want to look at, we don't want to talk about, or quite frankly, we just aren't comfortable talking about them. And my goal is to bring some of those conversations onto this platform so that we can begin to talk about them. And today we're going to have a conversation about race and how to handle that, how to teach our kids to embrace others, how to maybe have a different perspective about things. And here's why. One of our very first podcasts we did, oh, it's way back in the beginning, it's it's called Born with Bias. And, And, you know, the title's designed to grab your attention. And yet what it looks at is a study from a professor out of the University of Toronto, uh, Dr. Kang Lee, and he and his team did some research that shows that that young babies as early as six months old can notice race and will actually prefer to be around people who look like them. Now, it doesn't mean that they have that they're biased or they're bigoted or they're racist. It's just something that that as a preference, they prefer people who look like them. So we had Dr. Lee on the show, and it was a fascinating one. I'd recommend you go back and look at it. And it grabbed my attention as a parent. If, if, if my daughter is born to naturally designed to want to hang out with people that look like her, well, in 2019, that doesn't work. We've got to embrace people who look, act, sound, behave differently than us, that, that have maybe have a different religion than we do, or different cultural beliefs, or different things. And so how can I, as a parent, create the a space and the environment for her to be loving, welcoming, and open? And that's the conversation that we're going to have today. We're going to talk with the founder of an organization called Embrace Race. Andrew Grant Thomas is our guest today. And he's going to talk a little bit with us about how as parents, we can encourage our kids to embrace others. And for me, here's what it means. I want my daughter to be accepting of all people. That includes people of other races, ethnicities, religions, sexual orientation, whatever that is, I'd like her to embrace people, care about people, show compassion to people, and not make a judgment on people based on those things. And in 2019, in this country, quite frankly, this is a conversation that we need to have. It's long overdue, and it's time for us as parents to realize that we are responsible for how our children grow up 
and the type of environment they're in and what they're exposed to and what they believe about others. So with that in mind, let's jump in and have the conversation. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. James, I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I'm happy that you're here. So you uh, and your wife started this organization called Embrace Race. Tell us a little bit about it and why you started it. Yeah, we started it, uh, Melissa and I started Embrace Race about three and a half years ago. Uh, We started for a whole bunch of reasons, really. Um, We came to that point already with lots of professional background around race and ethnicity, Um, me in particular as a researcher and a racial justice advocate, and then we became parents. And our girls now, two brown-skinned girls, I'm African-American, Melissa is biracial. We have two brown-skinned girls who are now 9 and 11. And we realized that in spite of all the attention, uh, you know, and study of race ethnicity that we had done over the course of our adult lives, that that didn't mean that we had sort of an affirmative, positive uh, kind of a philosophy and approach with respect to socializing our girls around race and other identity issues. And then when they were very young, you know, we started meeting a lot more parents, other parents, and including parents of color, white parents. And teachers, we realized that a lot of them uh, were also looking for uh, resources that just weren't there or at best weren't organized. And Embrace Race was born. Well, I appreciate you for starting it. And I feel that this is a needed organization right now in our country. And, you know, as you and I were talking, you know, you go, this is this. In fact, you said it may be arguably the most important divide that we have, that we've got a bridge. And I feel like the divide's probably always been there. In the history of our country, there's a lot of research that shows it. It just feels more prevalent and maybe because of social media. What do you think? Yeah, and no, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, the, the divide certainly has been there, you know. In fact, the divide preceded the start of the official sort of start of the United States as a country. Um, you know, the, the New York Times is doing this incredible series now called 1619. 1619 is the date on which the first Africans were, quote-unquote, imported uh, for the purposes of enslavement, 1619, right? That's over 400, or that's 400 years ago, which is uh, longer than the history of our country. And uh, as you suggested earlier, you know, when you were uh, talking before this, yeah, it's a matter of exposure now, right? So we had greater exposure to, the, the divide has become more apparent to a lot more people in light mm-hmm. of the events of, you know, the last 10, 12 years. Right. Yeah. I think that, and, and we could we could go and talk about why, and we would get in a massive debate. And, and what I'd rather do is spend time to just to talk about awareness and what parents can do to help their kids really grow up to people, grow up as people who have respect and compassion for others, right? And the the thing that, that here's, here's when it woke me up, as a white father was... Um, you know, Virginia. And, and I sat around and I went, this is still happening in our country. And, and I called friends of mine and I said, so this is still happening. And I remember my one friend, Natalie, going, James, this is totally happening. You just didn't know because you're white. You just didn't see it. And, and I thought, well, I don't want my kid growing up and believing these things or, or having a level of disrespect for someone or just because of the color of their skin. What advice do you give for parents that are going, wait, this is still going on? You know, the, 
Yeah, it's still it's still going on, and and it's not just going on around the edges, right? So Virginia and Charlottesville, um, and uh, sort of the you know hate march that happened there, uh, it's just the sort of the most visible, most dramatic tip of the iceberg, right? So this is I, by that I don't mean that you know the country is teeming with quote unquote racists um, who are doing horrible things, but bias is pervasive and much of it is bias that those of us who carry it and all of us do right me you uh, our children uh, past a certain very early age um, we're carrying it and that bias uh, often subtle often unbeknownst even to those of us who have it is playing out in many 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 ways um, and it's the cumulative effect right so our eyes are drawn to the spectacle of a, of a Charlottesville, again, so dramatic and raw. Um, but really, I think most of the damage that racial biases and other kinds of biases do play out among, right, in more subtle ways among the many, among the millions and millions of us who hold those more subtle, again, sometimes um, biases of which we're not even aware. So yeah, a lot of the work that we do is trying to get into that space. And so what does that look like then? Because, you know, we did a podcast, one of our first ones was, was a, some research that came out that said we are born with some type of, of bias. And you just said we've all got some type of bias of some kind. So how do we become aware of what those are and then, you know, learn from that and move forward? Yeah, so let's speak first to the issue of uh, born with a bias. I mean, so with respect to race, certainly very early on, um, you know, at six months, even at three months, uh, infants can distinguish, can make distinctions that we later call racial, right, that we come to recognize as racial. So skin color differences, for example. But that's really about, you know, the three-month-old or the six-month-old uh, becoming more familiar with, let's say, the skin color of his, her, their uh, provider, right? Let's say it's mom, um, and, uh, you know, fairly naturally gravitating toward that, right? Pre preferring that skin tone over other skin tones because it's familiar and, and hopefully it's comforting. But that's not uh, certainly something I would call a bias, right? By bias, we usually mean something like, um, you know, an aversion to, an active dislike towards something else. Uh, bias is often associated with stereotypes, right? So it would mean not only does, let's say, a white baby prefer, quote-unquote, white skin, but also that that baby doesn't like, actively dislikes other kinds of skin and has negative associations with these other kinds of skin, which is not the case, mm -hmm. right? So we don't see anything like that. It's really when children are you know, three, four, five years old, what we would recognize as bias really starts creeping in. Um, and then, you know, both implicit, right, the hidden on the hidden kind of which you may be unaware, uh, and the more explicit kind uh, sort of stabilizes in adolescence. Um, and you ask the question about what can we do about it? Yeah, so, you know, broadly speaking, right, I think the first thing uh, we always tell people is you really need to be aware uh, that this is a strong likelihood, again, for all of us, right? It's not that we're, we have, we all have biases of all kinds. And, and notice that 
there are many kinds of biases one can have, right? Many dimensions along which one can have bias. So there's a racial bias, and of course there are you know all kinds of racial and ethnic groups, but there's height and weight and um, you know gender and class and religion. Uh, there are all kinds of biases one could have, and the 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 big thing to know is that you know the people around us in many cases, certainly the culture. Uh, is sending us signals uh, that feed this bias, that nurture this bias all the time. Uh, we just have tons and tons and tons of research on this. So the question isn't, you know, um, you know, th and this, by the way, is the problem with with color blindness in the race case. Uh, if color blindness is essentially feeding the ground to all those messages, right? That say. That race is a is a really substantive category. You know that some people are better than others in all of these mm -hmm. ways. That stereotypes are real and to be observed. If we feed the ground, if we don't, as parents, you know, as fathers, etc., weigh in on that and push back against that with our children, we'll have lost the battle before it's hardly even begun. Yeah. Well, and what you told me once was we've got to be deliberate in. Um, and how we raise our children in this. That's right. No, that's, I mean, that's exactly it, right? Because, again, the, here's one way to think about it. There's a conversation happening around race and class and gender, you know, and religion, and again, all these other dimensions of identity. That conversation is happening, it's active, and it's loud, and our children are picking up on it, right? The question is, are we going to weigh in ourselves, right? Are we going to weigh in and help our two and three and five and ten-year-olds uh, sort of, uh, you know, make sense of what they're hearing, um, and make sure that we weigh in with our own affirmative uh, understanding and hopefully healthy understanding of what these things mean and don't mean. Uh, if we don't weigh in, then again, the conversation that our kids are privy to uh, carries the day. Uh, and 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 essentially, you're really leaving them on their own. So let's let's weigh in. Let's be as informed as we can, communicate as well as we can, and appreciate, by the way, that simply having the literal conversation or conversations isn't enough. Communication is about what we say, but even more importantly, it's about what we do. And our kids right. are picking up all of it. Right. And we've done so many podcasts on they're watching and learning from that and. Um, and so we, as, as grownups, right, we've got to pay attention to what is it we're thinking? What do we say? What do we notice? What stereotypes are we helping fan so that we can change that so that our children pay attention to it? And then at the and then what deliberate actions are we taking to teach? And I feel like dad probably have a ginormous role in this and are also probably least likely to participate. Well, that's I mean, every. I agree with everything you just said. You know, let's start with the end. You know, as I shared uh, before, we uh, you know started recording the conversation. You know, our uh, we have you know twenty five thousand people on Facebook. Um, we have a Facebook analytics page that tells us something about who those people are. Ninety more than ninety percent of our Facebook fans are women, right? I am very often the only man in any room I go into. Uh, to talk about issues of parenting and race and children and so on. Um, 
and yet, of course, in most homes, fathers are present, even when they're not, you know, literally on living under the same roof. They're active in the lives of their children. They, especially uh, for young children, we fathers have a huge role to play in uh, not only what we say, but in again how we model um, our orientation toward race, ethnicity, and other kinds of identity. So yeah, we really need to pay attention and be as conscientious as uh, we can because as you say our kids are learning from us all the time yeah yeah we have a huge role on this they're watching they're paying attention so i guess the first thing would be um you know dads must admit that there is a racial divide they must admit that they likely have some biases of some kind and become aware of those because you can you can't have any progress until you become aware and watch just your language about things, watch the, you know, where those biases creep in, just be aware. And and maybe when you make a mistake, admit it to your child that you've done so and use it as a learning opportunity. Not only that, that admission piece, I think is huge, right? So look, no one should feel that the having biases does not make us bad people. Right. Right. Hugely important. Having biases does not make us bad people. What where we need to hold ourselves accountable is what we do about them, right? Whether we acknowledge them, whether we you know try to educate ourselves to reduce their impact, um, and certainly again what we model to our children. And one of the huge things, one of really I think maybe the best thing we can model to our children is yeah coming to grips with those biases, acknowledging them, acknowledging when we've made mistakes, and trying to do better. Uh, there's this great quote, um, I think it's Maya Angelou, uh, who says, you know, the great uh, a poet, novelist, uh, African-American poet, novelist, Maya Angelou, said something like, you know, when I was in my 20s, I did the best I could. As I learned more, I did better. Mm-hmm. Right? That's our model. Uh, not to beat ourselves up for not doing, you know, as well as we might hope to do, but to learn more and do better. Uh, and do as well as we can and show our children, you know, having that, that beautiful struggle. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, you know, you can go back and reflect and beat yourself up for things that you said that, that, you know, are not smart things that just quite frankly, at the time you were ignorant to, and now you're learning and you move forward. I think that's important. And then bringing in uh, other cultures and types of people and races and colors into your household to educate your kids. I think about think about a quote from Brene Brown where she says it's really hard to hate somebody up close. And yeah. so if we can get close to people, whether that's through hanging out with people who look different than us or or reading, that's one thing we got purposeful about. After Charlottesville, I said, okay. Um, again, that was the thing that brought my awareness to it. And, and so I go, all right, well, I don't want my daughter and, and she's not going to grow up in a home that that's the type of person she'd become. And though I w- just want her to be educated on different cultures and different types of people and, and different races and religious beliefs and different things, just understand that we all exist here and yet we all have the same goal in life. And the way we did that was just went through and we just bought a gazillion kids' books. I mean, every kid's book, you learn about different types of people. What recommendations would you make to parents to help them? Because chances are our neighbors look like people we hang out with look like us and and so what recommendations would you give to parents well so first of all let's start with that last point i mean 
Yeah, chances are, as you say, that our neighbors look like us. Look, this country uh, has been, we have been segregated, like literally physically segregated from each other in much of the country for a very long time. I mm -hmm. mean, if you were to look at a uh, sort of color-coded map, right, by the race ethnicity of the people who live in places like Philadelphia, Milwaukee, New York, uh, um, you know, Cleveland, and on and on, it would blow you away. I'm, I guarantee that if you're not familiar with what that looks like, it would blow you away. And it's not only about who lives next to whom, of course, which in turn shapes, for example, who goes to school with whom, right? But it's also about our social networks, right? Who are our friends? Who are our people? You mentioned people, you know, coming uh, who you invite over to your home or whose homes you go into, you know, just to hang out, to have a meal, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, we have a fair bit of data showing that we just do not, for the most part, have friendships, certainly close friendships across lines of race. I'm, of course, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It happens, but it doesn't happen nearly as often as you think it might, given the diversity of our country. Mm -hmm. No, so I'll just say this. I mean, so now, as you were saying, the the point uh, certainly, especially if we have young children, uh, as you've done, the first thing, and the, really, honestly, the least thing we can do is yeah, get those books. Right? There are a lot of people, early childhood people, who talk about books as windows and mirrors. Right? Mirrors meaning that uh, you know, a child hopefully can pick up. Uh, any number of books and find you know himself herself mirrored in the pages of that book, um, and a different child can pick up the same book and 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 use that book as a window into someone else's world, right? So books as windows and mirrors that give us exposure to each other that let, that in in effect introduce us into each other's worlds. Uh, there's a m much further that we can go. Uh, to make uh, the children's book literature uh, sort of windows and mirrors for a much wider group of children uh, than is true now. But certainly there are a lot of good books out there and, and that's a start. And then if we can go further than that, if you, as you said, right, who are, who are we hanging out with? Who, are, who do our children hear us speaking well about? Who do we have over for dinner, right? Who are we hanging out with after work? Uh, and of course, our children's friends, you know, who are they? Um, who are we carpooling with? Who's coming over for play dates for very young children? I mean, all of those things uh, really, really matter. And, and I think matter even more than the conversation we have. That's yeah. sort of, right, there's, there's talking the talk and then there's walking the walk. Let's walk the walk and talk the talk. Yeah. I mean, I, we're all giving things that we can do. We can read books. We can have people over. You know, I, I think about there's a there's a park in, in the community that we live in that's neighborhood that tends to be, uh, uh, you know, a more black neighborhood than the park by our house, you know, so if we're purposeful about going and playing in that park, that allows Naomi to play with kids who don't look like her, which she'll have a great time doing. And, um, and so just be purposeful about going to that one. Like there's certain things we could do, I think that would just get us to hang out with people who look different than we do. That is, uh, that's uh, such a great example, James, and, you know, kudos to, uh, to you for doing that because, you know, uh, again, I love books and books are a huge resource, again, especially for very young children. And so many of us spend a lot of time uh, in books and with books with our children anyway. So why not take advantage? And, you know, we also see in, in our Embrace Race work that 
a lot of parents, you know, seem content to leave it there, right? Because it's relatively easy to go to the Barnes and Noble and pick up a book or to go to the library and pick up a book. Uh, but it, it does not, you know, however wonderful the book, however wonderful the interaction with the child around the book, uh, it does not substitute for actually getting out there and to the extent that you can, making the effort to meet people who are in some meaningful way not like you and, mm-hmm. and, and giving your child that experience, that opportunity, and, and not only the fact of the opportunity itself, but again, modeling for your child that this is an important thing for you. Right. right. As dad of a young child, you know, uh, that matters a lot. I mean, for better or worse, as we as our children get older, we become less influential relatively relative to their peers, you know, for example, uh, and perhaps even their teachers, et cetera. But when they're young, they're watching us uh, and the signals that we send them are are, are gold <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah. They're yeah. I agree with you. Well, I've learned a lot. As we wrap up, I'm just, you know, here's what's standing out to me from the dialogue you and I had before we we recorded this episode, you know, that our kids are going to learn a lot more from how we are than what we say. And this is true when it comes to race or gender or anything. And and so we've got to model healthy behavior here. We've got to model healthy behavior, and they learn from both, right? Again, especially young children, you know, the four-year-old child learned, learned a lot by instruction, uh, as, as they say, and the older child, you know, the, the 12 or 11-year-old, uh, starts to learn more from experience. Uh, so it's both. Um, what's certainly true is that if we say one thing, right, if we give, you know, sort of instructions to our child about you know, how race matters or how it doesn't, and, but act a different way. You know, if we tell them to be inclusive, but, but they don't see inclusivity uh, in their, you know, sort of the family's dynamics with others, um, then it's a really good bet that they're not going to get the message that you would like them to get. So to the best that you can, talk, walk the walk and talk the talk for sure. And by the way, and it's not only about our children, right? Um, you're moving through the world, I'm moving through the world, we are acted on in the world, and we act in the world, right? We, we shape how other people, not just our children, uh, what kind of experiences they have to some degree. So, yeah, we can be better than we are, right? Yeah. It's not just about, you know, uh, supporting our kids. It's what effect are we having in the world? So, yeah, let's do our own work uh, yeah. for the sake of the, the impact that we have. I mean, I think at the end of the day, nearly every single one of us has the same goal in mind, and that is to live the best life for us and our families and the decisions that people are making are with that in mind. And if we can pause, whether you look at, you know, look at the what's happening on our southern border or look what's happening in your neighborhood or look what's happening halfway across the world, the people are making are to take care of themselves and their family. And if we can hit the pause button for a minute and become curious about those decisions, become curious about why people do what they do, then I think we can actually learn something and move forward in a way that's healthy and not be so angry. And at the end of the day, that's probably would be a good thing. Well, I got to tell you, James, that's, uh, again, another beautiful point. And there's actually a name that the, that the psychologists have about, uh, you know, the approach you're suggesting. It's called perspective taking right, take the other person's perspective. What would it feel like, right? So if, yes, if I 
did what someone else is doing. You know, you talk about, you know, uh, what's happening at the southern border. Yeah, I mean, any number of people anywhere who are doing things, you know, uh, sometimes we think, oh, that's, that's a problem, right? It's this sort of person who does that. But, but what if we stop and say, hmm, I wonder, like, what would lead me to do that? Yeah. Right? If we're that, right. What would lead me to do that? Yeah, can, can we adopt, just, it's only for the exercise, adopt our, our, what we think the other person's perspective might be. Try to make sense of that. That alone, I think, gets us far. Yeah. Well, I mean, how bad, how bad must it be if you feel your best option is to your kids and walk thousands of miles to a place where, quite frankly, the government doesn't want you? And that um, must be pretty tough. Just go, let's go put ourselves in that perspective in those shoes and maybe we can learn something. And you can still feel the way you feel and yet you've opened your op- your mind up to an opportunity. Real quick, how can people connect with you connect with Embrace Race? What, what's the best way to get connected with you guys so that this conversation can continue after the podcast episode's over? Yeah, I love it. Thanks for asking that question. So our website is embracerace.org, embracerace.org. Uh, if you go to that site, not only do we have a lot of resources and so on that you hopefully find helpful, uh, but you also be, would be able to sign up on our mailing list, our email list. Uh, and and if you're on that email list, we you know will let you know about what's going on in the Embrace Race community. Also, uh, recommend um, that you go to our Facebook page again, Embrace Race on Facebook. Uh, and you know we're posting three times a day, lots of good stuff. Uh, and and um, I also want to mention actually our monthly webinar, right? So the fourth Tuesday of every month at 8:30 Eastern PM Eastern. We have a webinar on a whole range of uh, talking race and kids issues. Uh, so those are some some really good ways, and, and we'd love to see see you all there. Well, Andrew, I appreciate you very much. Thank you for what you're doing to help educate people, and um, and let's you know we can all work together to raise kids who are inclusive, not exclusive, and uh, maybe we can start to put an end to the challenges that we've been facing so much. Well, James, I appreciate this podcast and the work you're doing, uh, especially with dads, and definitely um, appreciate you know the modeling that you're doing in your own life around how to approach these issues. It's good stuff, and it's important stuff. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate that. A lot of important things there, a lot of things to think about, and um, I know it can get touchy when we have a conversation here. So you know, you've made it all the way through. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I trust that you were challenged on some stuff, got some ideas about things, and are just open to thinking. I went and pulled some of the resources from EmbraceRace.org. I'm going to tell you to go there. There's so much good stuff there. And I mean, I'm telling you straight up conversations you've never even thought about that are probably really valuable for you to have. So go have them. And here's another thing I want to share as we wrap up and get ready for the Kids Corner. And that's... um, a a thing I found from NPR that just talks about talking about race with young kids. And here are some tips they give that I want to share with you. So it says, number one, don't shush or shut them down if they mention race. If they notice somebody looks different, then let them notice. And and this is a a key thing. And some of you are going to disagree with me on this. And that's okay. uh, Except I get to say it because it's my podcast. When we say things like we don't see color, to me, that doesn't make any sense. If you look around, you see color. 
You, you can tell someone's a different skin color than you. They're a different gender than you. You, can, you. you have to see those things. To say that you ignore them doesn't make any sense to me. Now, it doesn't mean that because someone looks, di- looks different, you have to treat them different. To say, though, that you don't see it doesn't make any sense. And so when, when our kids notice that someone's a different race or gender or whatever, then let them notice that. Next thing that NPR said is don't wait for kids to bring it up. It is not too early to have the conversation. And one thing that, that I thought about is I just kind of looked around the school that our daughter was in for kindergarten and first grade, and it was a predominantly white school. I realized that she didn't know or hang out with, with there, there were not a lot of children who didn't look like her. I mean, I would guess 98% of the school was white. So, so we made a choice then to start talking about different people and different cultures. And there's some books we got. One of them is uh, Good Night Stories for Rebel, Rebel, uh, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. It's a great one because it's talking about amazing, powerful women, and it's talking about them from all over the planet. And so we were able to introduce different cultures and races to her there. Now she goes to a school. We changed schools this year. Her second grade school is very diverse, and we're very happy with it. Next thing they say is be proactive. In other words, help them build positive awareness of diversity. And we talked a little bit about that in the episode. One thing we've just started doing, and this is just within the last you know month or so, is there is a park by us that's that's next door to a, an area in our town that's predominantly black. And so Naomi likes that park. It's a really awesome park. It's got great stuff. And uh, when we go play in that park, she gets to hang out with people who don't look like her. When we go to the park that's a little bit closer to our house, almost everybody's white. The, the opportunity for her to hang out with different people is, is an amazing thing. So be proactive there. Here's another one. When a child experiences prejudice, grown-ups need to both address the feelings and fight the prejudices. How did it feel when that happened? What was that like? Or if a kid says something to you that you, you're a little shocked by, instead of shutting them down, maybe ask this question. What made you think that? Learn a little bit about what they're thinking. And then finally, NPR says you don't have to avoid topics like slavery or the Holocaust. Instead, give facts and focus on resistance and allies. Share with them that these are things that happened. And, and this might upset some of my school friends that are teachers. I find our schools don't do a very good job of this, in my opinion. It gets sugar-coated. We, we don't address things. You know, they just celebrated Columbus Day. In my eyes, that's not a holiday we celebrate. And so Naomi knows why we don't celebrate that holiday and what Columbus is about. So don't necessarily rely on the school because the school has a curriculum they're going to teach you. And quite frankly, they just may not have the ability to get into the full story. And so you might want to do that. Now, I know we gave you a lot here, and I thank you for listening, and I trust you got some value out of it. Again, I'm going to say go follow Embrace Race. They're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. They have great resources on their website, and and check those out. All right, well, let's switch switch gears as we wrap up, and we'll wrap up the way we always do with a visit to the Kids Corner with Naomi. This is where she talks about whatever's on her mind. So here we go. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids Corner with your host, Naomi. Hi, my name is Sammy Shot. Today we are going to be talking about inventing stuff. So I um, was at my school and I invented this. It is a thing for butterflies. And butterflies go in the top of the milk jug. And I have like little butterfly wings. And uh, I have this little flap that can go over the milk jug if they're not safe. So, you could invent lots of things. You can invent things that aren't 
made yet. You can invent things that were made yet, but use your imagination. Go outside the lines. Go into a garbage can and invent something that you never thought you could do before. That's it. Naomi's Corn. Have a great day. Bye. Good advice from the kiddo. Go invent something that you never thought you could do before. There you go from that. By the way, she's talking about a really cool thing that she made out of a milk jug and newspaper as they were talking about recycling. And so I'm going to post a picture of it on the Instagram page later this week. So make sure you go check it out so you know what it is. As she was saying it, she's holding it up for you. And of course, it's an audio podcast, so you can't see it. So I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you on Instagram. Hey, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being willing to stick with us and have this conversation today. I think it's one that, quite frankly, for me is of immense value. I trust you got value out of it as well, and I'd love to connect with you on it. So go find us on our social media pages. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Positively Dad. If you want to reach out to me directly, message me through one of those sources or send me an email at james at positivelydad.com. And I'd love to connect with you on this. Get your feedback. If you liked it, rate us, please. Five stars would be awesome. Share this with someone who you know that you think might get some value out of it, and uh, and we'd just be so thankful. Finally, if you know someone that we should have on, or maybe you want to be on our podcast, just reach out to me and let me know, and we'd love to have you on. Thanks again so much for listening to Positively Dad. I'm James Shaw, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.